Hey, good afternoon, you. Welcome to Thursday's Richie Allen Show from a pretty warm and pleasant Salford. I'm Richie Allen, your BBG. I'll be taking your telephone calls, your Skype calls and your WhatsApp calls in around about 25 minutes' time. I'm really looking forward to hearing from you today, so I am. Uncensored. Unfiltered. You're listening to Richie Allen on the world's most popular independent news radio show. It's the Richie Allen Show, broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host, Richie Allen. Yes, indeed. So do get in touch with me. I will play you the details in a moment. But the contact details are on Facebook and on Twitter. One of my very recent posts. If you want to find them, if you don't have them, if they're on Facebook, they are on Twitter. In fact, what we'll do is we'll give you a spin now of the old jingle. Here are the contact details then. It's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie. Or call 0161 818 If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44161 818 Talk to Richie now. And I still haven't gotten around to updating that jingle with the WhatsApp number. If there is a WhatsApp number, it is 075 659 But as I said, those details are pinned. They're not pinned, but they are on Facebook and on Twitter. I want to hear from you today, so get in touch, reach out. Let's uh, make a connection today. All righty. I won't get into interest rates with you. The Bank of in- England has raised interest rates for the 14th time in a row. To 5.25%, it means terrible news for people, for mortgage um, holders and what have you. But I, I won't depress you with it. But that being said, you may very you very well may want to talk about this with me a bit later on. I don't know. Solutions, maybe. I don't know. Yes. Um, so, let's talk about some interesting things then that I observed on my travels this afternoon. Let's start with this. Uh, Rishi Sunak's house, the Prime Minister of this country, is a man called Rishi Sunak, you know this. Now Greenpeace, yes, went to his house, his great big house, and hung a great big banner from it in protest at him issuing nearly 100 new oil and gas leases. Not happy. The eco-activists, right. So on Jeremy Vine's programme on Channel 5, absent him, but on that programme, Ariba Hamid representing Greenpeace, turned up to the programme and explained why they did what they did to Rishi Sunak's house. We were also aware, like the rest of the country, that the Prime Minister and his family were not going to be at home. In fact, this morning when our activists went there, they knocked on the door, uh, there was no answer, there was no visible security, and we have Greenpeace uh, labels behind all the all the activists taking action. So this was done with utter concern for safety and with meticulous care. And the reason why it was done is because Rishi Sunak, the decision that he has made to max out Nazi oil and gas is a personal one. The buck stops with him. He's the prime minister and he has decided in the middle of a climate emergency to actually pour more fuel on this fire. More fuel on the fire. Now also appearing on this programme was Angela Epstein, who's a bit of a talking head. You should consider your position as a consequence of this. You have endorsed, so it appears to me, criminal behaviour. 
This is an act of criminality. You've trespassed on somebody's mm -hmm. property. You have somehow, uh, it may only be a temporary thing that you've done, but you have desecrated, albeit in a temporary way, somebody's... Desecrated. ...his property, somebody's private property, and it doesn't matter. Pr I appreciate the point as being a parent, but there will be a lot of people that are watching who aren't parents, who, aren't, who, who don't have that family concern. You, you are basically endorsing the right for somebody to trespass on somebody's private property and do what they like because you don't agree with their policies. It would be wrong to do it as Downing Street as well because, again, it would be an act of trespass. But fundamentally, for somebody like yourself to say, we signed it off, I think you should seriously consider let, what you're doing and what, what your position let is. Let Ariba come back on that. So Angela's saying, actually, that this is a step-downable offence, Ariba. Is that something you would consider now? No, a step-downable offence. Step-downable. We have done peaceful protests for over... 50 years uh, as a part of our campaigning we do lobbying uh, we other than peaceful protests we also meet with political representatives so this is an invitation to hold people in power to account for their decisions and you can do that by writing a letter to the prime minister we have a petition out please sign it and you sometimes when things go too far in the middle of the time where the planet is literally boiling adding more and more oil and gas to that situation is, is I would say, playing fast and loose with our future. This is why we needed to take it to the Prime Minister. The planet is literally boiling. It's literally boiling, the planet. It's boiling. I don't feel it. I don't know about you, but I don't feel it myself. Now, on Julia Hartley Brewer's Talk TV programme, a guy called Benny Pizer was on. Great name. Benny Pizer. It's not as good as Trent Steele or Max Power, but it's a good name. Benny Pizer. He's director of the Global Warming Policy Foundation. Benny. Brewer asked him for his thoughts on the fact that there are scientific papers out there which say that warming might be happening, but it isn't down to us. Yet these scientists can't get uh, a hearing on the BBC or the mainstream media, Benny Pizer. Well, that, that tells you that this issue of climate change is not being treated in a balanced scientific way. This is used as a campaigning issue to beat uh, politicians and the public. Uh, and and it's not really a proper way of covering, you know, climate-related issues. Uh, it's always on the alarming side. It Now, to, just to give an example, um, you know, our summer isn't particularly hot or dry. It's mm. cold and wet. Now, that is always reported as well this is uk weather yeah but it's hot and dry it's climate change so yeah. the, the the kind of misleading use of climate related issues mm. by parts of the media is irresponsible is is um, causing all sorts of mental problems for for people young people older people yeah. who take this very serious. Yeah, I mean, there, there are loads of surveys showing that a huge percentage of young people in this country think that genuinely, you know, they, uh, they believe the Greta Thunberg stuff, by the way, has as many qualifications in climate science as I have, um, that, you know, the world is on fire, the world is dying, um, that we are somehow going to be, you know, we're going to, be, we're going to basically, you know, run out of food, run out of energy, run out of this, run out of that. I mean, they believe all this stuff. Yes. Yeah. Unfortunately, but there is a growing number of people now who are beginning to see through this and whose main concern is what you have been talking, you know, uh, over, over, over many months is the 
cost of living and the cost of energy. And uh, that is now much more of a concern. Yeah, with the interest rise, the cost of living has just gotten even more... Well, urgent, I would say, for many families in this country. Eight minutes past the hour. This is your Richie Allen Show. Transgender athletes have been banned by British rowing from competing in women's races. So if you were born a woman, a real woman, a biological woman, you will be able to enter, as you always were, the female category in rowing and represent Great Britain or England. But everybody else will compete in an open category. All right, a mixed category can be offered by organisers if 50% of crew are eligible from the women's category. But this is good. It comes into effect from the 11th of September, Red Letter Day in history. Trans athletes will not be allowed to compete on women's teams managed by British rowing. That is good. None of this will test your testosterone None of this, you might be eligible if you decided to block your puberty. No, if you're not a woman, a real one, you won't be, you won't be rowing with the British team, the women's team. Now, Peter Tatchell, LGBT rights campaigner, and uh, Alex Storey, who's a former Olympian, an Olympic rower, funnily enough, they debated this on GB News. We'll hear Peter Tatchell first. What does he reckon? to the news that British Rowing has said that trans women, men, are banned from competing in women's races. Tatchell then. It's absolutely important that there is fairness in sport. We also have to balance that against fairness towards trans athletes as well. Why? Now, I accept that many trans athletes may have an advantage, and that would be wrong. But I don't think we should generalise about trans athletes because... They come in all shapes and sizes, (laughs) different weakness, different strength. So, for example, you know, not all trans athletes are six foot five tall and weigh 220 pounds. Now, I know a trans woman footballer who competes in her team. She is the one of the smallest and weakest members of the team. You know, she there are other biological females who tower over her. And are much stronger. Yeah, but he, so I, but, but he still should not be playing football with women, really. Let's be honest about it. I would prefer individual assessment to assess each individual uh, trans athlete on what potential advantages they have. And if they do have unfair advantages, then of course they should not compete. Right. But equally, we need to say that all, tra- all elite athletes tend to have advantages. So some may have bigger hearts and lungs which gives them an advantage. These may be- yes, 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 yes. We know that some females have advantages over other biological females. This is the reason Martina Navratilova won nine Wimbledons. Steffi Graf won seven, if memory serves, because they were superior athletes. They were fitter, they were quicker, and they were better, but they were women, Peter. Biological, biological females with bigger hearts and lungs, they have a clear advantage over other women athletes. All right, so if a bloke in a wig decides that he wants to play women's sports with women and you determine that some of the women he will be competing against might have bigger hearts and bigger lungs than the bloke with the wig, he should be able to compete with them? But no one is proposing for them to be banned. I just think that the policy is a bit unfair and a bit one-sided. Now, the former Olympian, Alex Storey, he was none too impressed with that bollocks from Peter Tatchell. The, the broader topic 
is, is, is simply this. In order to compete, you need honesty. In sports, without honesty, there, is, there, is, there are no rules, there are no principles. In other words, you cannot build a sport based on deception. This idea that a trans woman is a woman is the beginning of the deconstruction of organized sports. A trans woman is a bloke in a wig pretending to be a woman. And equally, fantastic. a trans man is not a guy. And we all know this. So the first thing you need to have in any sports is honesty. And the core root of honesty is to see a guy and to see a girl and describe them as they are. It's not a subjective point of view. It's an objective statement of fact. Anybody who believes the opposite of that is selling you insanity and time wasting. Peter, I'm 48. I have an enormous amount of stuff to do. If you keep wasting people's times on this, they might not be as generous as me with forgiveness. <laughs> Very good. A little bit precious there, Alex Story, but who could blame him? Tatchell's argument was absolutely farcical, wasn't it? Listen to this again. But equally, we need to say that all, tra all elite athletes tend to have advantages. So some may have bigger hearts and lungs, which gives them an advantage. And these may be biological biological females with bigger hearts and lungs, they have a clear advantage over other women athletes. But no one is proposing for them to be banned. Because they're all women, ultimately. They've all got vaginas and ovaries. I just think that the policy is a bit unfair and a bit one-sided. What a dickhead. I, I imagine he considers himself to be an intellectual. 14 minutes past the hour, it's the Richie Allen Show. And I'm here, and I'm in pain. You know, I'm having dental work done and it's going on for months. It's nearly about to come to an end. I've got a temporary bridge on and a bit of it broke away this afternoon. And I'm very sensitive now. I've got a bit of pain, but I can't do anything about it right now because I'm stuck with you. And when I suck in air, it's a particularly sore. So I've got to be careful and not suck in too much air. Bet you Greta Thunberg would like that. Don't breathe. Don't breathe for the planet and all the rest of it. Yes. Um, here's an interesting one. BBC reporting that the rate of deforestation in the Amazon, the Brazilian Amazon, has dropped to its lowest in six years. They know this because of space agency data. In July of this year, 500 square kilometres, which is about 193 square miles, right, of rainforest was cleared in Brazil, and that's 66% uh, less than in July of last year, the space agency, the National Space Agency in pay said. The drop is a welcome boost, says the BBC, for the government of Luiz Inácio Lula da Silva. That's right. He pledged to end deforestation by 2030 when he took office. Remember all of that when we were young? Remember when we were young in the 80s, we heard an awful lot about the rainforest. It was because of that bastard sting. It was sting, wasn't it? Wouldn't shut up about the rainforests. That's right. What do you do when your records stop selling as well as they used to? That's right. You adopt a cause. Yes. How do I stay in the limelight? How do I stay in the public eye? How? Oh, I, I know. I, I will adopt a cause. You see this with David Bedil, don't you? Failed comedian. Failed writer. Failed actor. Absolutely useless. Wet blankets have more use than David Bedil. What do you do? I know. I'll become a witchfinder general for anti-Semitism. That will get me back in the public eye. That's what they do, don't they? 
Yeah, 16 minutes past the hour. It's the Richie Allen Show. What else is it? Richie Allen, live from Salford here in the northwest of the UK. Yes, indeed. I've just heard from my dentist, which is nice. I sent them an email about three minutes to five. And they've gotten me an appointment for uh, very early in the morning. Thank heavens for that, Kirby. Kirby at my dentist, she's great. Not my dentist, the franchise. I'm not with them. But uh, my dentist, my practice. Kirby is looking after me. Thank you, Kirby. I doubt she's listening to this. In any case, right. Um, I'm going to do one or two more bits and bobs. Then I'll open the telephone line. The WhatsApp number will be there. I'll give you the WhatsApp number now. I will have the jingle next time, I promise. It reads 075-659-42270. Grab your biro. 075-659-42270. That's the WhatsApp, you see. These details are on Facebook and they're on Twitter too. Uh, but there is a Skype name and there is a old-fashioned phone number. Here they are. It's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie. Or call 0161-818-2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44-161-818-2018. Talk to Richie now. Yeah, I'm old. I, I never heard of Lizzo until yesterday. Never heard of Lizzo. Lizzo's a big girl, God bless her. She's a singer and a dancer, and some of her dancers are alleging that she was pretty nasty to them, sexually harassed and bullied them. And they're suing Lizzo. I really am sheltered these days. Apparently Lizzo was fairly successful. But I hadn't a Scooby-Doo who she was. So Lizzo says the harassment claims are false. Just in case you you didn't know that. Can I just speak about football for a moment, right? Even though you're not interested in it. At least not in the context of your your favourite radio show. Of course, we don't talk sport because it's not that interesting. I'll give you the cricket details every now and then. Mason Greenwood is a young and very talented football player who is on the books of Manchester United. He's on the roster, right? He hasn't played a game of football since very early in 2022 when a video emerged online which didn't look very good at all. You'll remember reading about it. A video emerged that appeared to show him being very abusive, threatening and violent with his girlfriend, seemingly because he wanted sex and she didn't. And she posted a video which showed her bruised and bleeding. And as I said, it's, it's, it's pretty awful that very swiftly he was suspended by Manchester United. He was arrested by the Greater Manchester Police. I think he spent two or three days in the nick at the time he was questioned. And then he was released on bail, he was instructed, blah, 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 not to go near the alleged victim and what have you. I'm really reluctant now to give you all the details, but there's a reason I'm I'm mentioning this in any case. Um, Pressurising anybody to have sex is terrible. Um, Assaulting and and threatening somebody for any reason, let alone because they won't have sex, is terrible and shouldn't be condoned um, at all. Not in the slightest. Right. Now, this rumbled on and rumbled on for the best part of a year. Uh, He was at one stage re-arrested because he'd been in contact with the alleged victim 
and then he was bailed and he was told to go back to his house again. And this went on all the way through 2022. Now, a few months ago, the Greater Manchester Police said they were dropping the case as they were not going to pursue it because new information had come to light and a material witness, I think, had decided to retract. And that was that. And at the time, women's rights groups and some feminists, understandably now, understandably, we've got to be open-minded about these things, they said, oh, this is, you know, terrible. People not giving evidence, people not going to court. Now, it seems, and this is 99% true, but you never know what is true and what isn't true. You just don't know, right? But it appears that the young woman in question reconciled with this footballer, Mason Greenwood, and that he made some sort of restitution, that talks were just, talks were held with the families and her family. They got back together. Um, this is all hearsay now. I can't guarantee any of this. But it seems that the kid made some effort to to rectify, not that you ever can really, but to kind of change his ways and to give assurances that he would sort himself out and this type of thing wouldn't happen again and what have you. And this is where the police dropping it came in. They recently had a child, this couple, and um, they're getting on with their lives. They're building a life together. Now, all the way through this, Manchester United ran an internal investigation, or at least they opened an internal investigation sometime after it happened. This has gone on and on and on and on and on. And now it seems to be coming to some conclusion because it's been several months since all charges were dropped against this young man who's 21 now. Why am I telling you this? Well, I suppose his situation, and I don't know what um, you know what goes on in the mind of someone like Mason Greenwood, but what's what's really interesting to me is how this is how this plays out on social media, something that until the dawn of the social media age, we would never have imagined such a thing happening. Maybe the tabloids would write stuff and say things. But uh, all of this is being played out on social media, with everybody and anybody taking to social media to, um, to virtue signal at times, you know, and demand that this young man is never allowed to play football some people say for anybody ever again. Others say Manchester United should not allow this kid to come back. He should never play for the club again. And I'm not supporting the club. And this has been going on all day. This has been the biggest trending topic on Twitter since uh, last night. And some of the stuff is absolutely crazy going on there, you know. And um, not to get too deep into it, but we've talked in the past about how a society is emerging whereby I think, I think particularly, I hate to say younger people because it sounds so patronising, but certainly a generation behind us or even a generation behind them are coming to believe or to understand that to screw up in any way, no matter how little um, or how badly, and in the case of Mason Greenwood, um, if, I mean, the video kind of speaks for itself, really. That's a very bad screw-up and a very bad thing. But no matter what you do, you should be permanently destroyed and excommunicated. And we've talked about this before, you and me. And um, I find this really troubling. Not for myself, because I live outside of, I suppose, what you'd call regular society. 
I am completely self-contained and self-sufficient here at BBG Towers. I don't have to worry about Twitter storms. We've had them. I've had them before. As you know, several times they came for me. I didn't give a damn because they can't touch me. But they're kind of educating, if that's the way to put it, a whole generation that um, to screw up in any way um, can mean or could mean or maybe should mean that you are absolutely um, exiled, excommunicated and should never be seen or heard from again. It's quite staggering. I was going to tweet about this today and then I thought no because a lot of ladies listen to this programme and whatever I tweet is going to come across to some as if I don't give a damn about some player playing for the team I support and being abusive to his partner, which is nonsense. But of course, everything these days is presented as binary, isn't it? You're either for or you're against. There's no nuance. What I was going to say was, was that the only person in the world, as as a fan of football, as a fan of Manchester United, This lad doesn't owe me an explanation or an apology because it's none of my business. The only person and persons he has to satisfy are his partner, her family, his own family and their friends. Those are the only people who've got a stake in what happened between this lad and this girl which blew up sensationally back in uh, 2022. But um, there is something else going on, something deeper with um, with um, how these things play out on social media and the impact these things have on particularly younger people observing this stuff and feeling compelled to get involved in it and to have their say and what have you. You might want to talk about that when I open the phone line in a moment. The contact details are... It's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie. Or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. Yeah, Twitter is a cesspit. The WhatsApp number is 075 659 42270. It couldn't be simpler. Reach out to me today, particularly if it's something you haven't done before. I look forward to hearing from you on the programme. Right, um, I'll take a, a tune, I suppose, before I open the lines. I've got to make, not to make the mistake I made last time. Remember what I did last time? Like in Egypt, you remember what I did? Um, I forgot to unmute the WhatsApp. I'm doing it now as I speak with you. I'm doing it now as I speak with you. I have unmuted it, so I will see when the calls come in. Get in touch with me. Be interesting. Let's have a chat. I'm playing a tune before you come on. I have for you Odyssey in Native New York. Right, we'll get rid of Odyssey in Native New Yorker because Andy from Liverpool but I think he's in China, is on the line. Andy, how are you? I'm good, Richie. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's, how enough, are you? it's a pleasure. Are, is, are you genuinely a scouser in China? I am, mate. Yeah, there's more of us. Uh, oh, fantastic. Good to have you on, pal. You've never bumped into Welsh, one Greg. Second, one second. I've just got your radio station in the background. No worries, Sorry, no worries. There might yeah. also be a little delay on the line, but I'll work with the delay. This is good. 
Andy, how in the name of God did you end up in China? I'm guessing there's a woman involved. <laughs> Where do I start? No, uh, I'm here for work, mate. I um, Obviously, me and you met a good couple of years ago now when I was in university. Um, oh, this is you, Andy. Sort of fell, out, fell, out of, fell out of love with the media. Ended up going into education, uh, and I found myself working in China in the education sector. So. Fantastic. Yeah, long, long road. Let me, just re- just, let me just bring our listeners up to speed. Quite a few years ago, Andy was studying at the University of Salford, and um, he had an idea of t- to do a, a project, a film, about the independent media. And he asked me to do a bit of filming, and we did Fab Radio and over at Media City. It was great fun. It's really good to hear from you, pal. Wow, you're in China. Amazing. Wonderful. Yeah, thanks very much for having me. Um, just one thing I wanted to say, it, it, it is going to sound a bit far out, so just bear with me. It's just to do with all of, obviously, the, the disclosure thing that was happening uh, in the last few days with the Congress disclosure and things like that. And one of my theories is, uh, you tell me if you think it's far out or not. I, I just don't think it's an accident that we're hearing a lot about the climate change agenda, 15-minute cities agenda, all of the sort of absolutely life-changing things that are happening and i think it does tie into the the actual disclosure issue as well have you heard of a guy called uh, his name is paul hellyer canadian senator or canadian politician yes i have yeah right. uh, only re- only you know recently i'm referring to yes this is the video is this this is the guy who talks about being in contact with aliens and having conversations with them about climate change right Correct. yeah yeah, I mean, I've, I've only just seen this video today, Richie. Whether or not it's it's a load of crap, I don't know. But my theory on this is, are we going to come to a point, whether it is outlandish, but anything's possible now, as you know, is it going to come to a point where the powers that be are going to start enforcing these rules, enforcing these absolutely draconian rules? And the excuse that they've got for it is, because non I don't want to use the word alien because it does trivialise it, but is it a request from sort of non-human identities to sort of uh, make us feel more enlightened and more uh, aware and, and, you know, more in contact with our sort of spirituality? Is that what we're going to see in the mainstream play out sooner rather than later? Because I do think this closure will happen. I think it will probably happen sooner rather than later. Um, personally, I'm a believer. I think there's other things out there. I think there's too much evidence to suggest there's not. And I just think with all the climate change agenda that's going on, I mean, you only have to look at Greta Thunberg. That's <laughs> that's an alien itself, if you look at it, if you ask me. But I'm just thinking down the line, are they going to position it where it's sort of, we need to do this if we want to make contact? Because we're not worthy at the moment. We need to make changes in our lifestyle, everything. We need to be more self-sufficient. We need to be more uh, family, you know, uh, just, just everything about the way of life at the moment. We need to change our ways uh, because that is a directorate from non-human entities. I just wanted to know your thoughts on that. I'm fascinated. Um, um, anything is possible. It's all on the table. I, I just want to mention to our, to our listeners, Andy, that this guy, Paul Hellyer, has claimed to have seen aliens himself and he's accused his own government and the American governments of covering it up. This goes back um, a decade or more. And um, he, at, 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 a, at a recent, was he at the congressional hearing, was he? Was that where he said that? Well, no, um, I, believe he's, I believe he's dead. I think he's been dead for at least two all years. Right, so, so that video that's been around. So the video is old. old all right. And in the video, he says that he communicated with aliens and they told him that they were concerned about um, 
the fact that we have the means to avert climate change on planet Earth, but we, we don't seem willing to do it. I think something along those lines. Yeah, I'm not sure whether it, he's, he's claimed to have spoken to them firsthand or it's just something he's been told. But yeah. what he's basically saying is that the entities have told him or, or told people around him, listen, you're going wrong. We need to stop deforestation. You've got nuclear weapons. You've got mass biological trauma. Everything that's going wrong with the planet. Um, and now I, I know this has been politicised already online. A lot of people are saying, well, um, maybe the aliens are trying to think, get us all to think as left-wingers. I don't know. Maybe they are. I don't know. But I, I don't think it's beyond the realms of possibility where if disclosure, I say if, I think when disclosure happens, because I think it inevitably will in some form or another. But I would not be surprised to see this be politicised by the, by the government itself. And they position it as we need to do this if we are going to make contact. They can provide us with technologies. They can provide us with, with insight and knowledge. Maybe that's, you know, maybe that could be. Andy, do you think people would, do you think people would believe this? I'm fascinated by this. Like if, if governments around the world came together, obviously this would happen at the United Nations, wouldn't it? And if, if, um, if a press release was, was put out there, or if a, you know, if, if the UN said, right, we've got an announcement to make three weeks from now, hold on to your hats, we'll, We'll be, we'll be speaking in New York and we will have all of the heads of state from all around the world present. We'll all be here. So you've got to watch it. It'll be, it'll be on every TV channel. And they announce we are and have been in contact with um, um, non-human entities from other parts of the universe. Um, they're more advanced than we are and they've told us that the planet is basically kaput, that we've got to do this. I... Look, I, I, I have a bit of a downer on people um, at the moment because of the things people will swallow. But I can't imagine, I can't imagine vast swathes of people would just swallow that and believe it. Or am I completely naive? No, I think it's, you, you're going to have some resistance. But the beauty of it is it doesn't have to be true for them to, to go along with that. They could easily say, yeah, we have got, um, you know, we've, we have encountered UAPs or non-human entities. They might, they may or not, you know, be telling the truth. I know a lot of people seem to be talking a lot about a fake invasion of some sort. I don't like using the word invasion. Maybe they'll position it, you know, as a as a visitation or, you know, something like this. But the beauty of that scenario is you don't need people to believe it, you know, because you're shifting the responsibility on. I mean, was it Donald Trump a few years ago said we want to be he wants us to be fighting intergalactic wars or something like that? He said something really bizarre. Yeah. Um, when he first became president, didn't he? So that rings a bell. Yeah. You know, it's it's going to be very interesting. And tell me this now: Would um, I mean, have you learned, or are you learning Mandarin over over there? Oh, Boda Chung went Buhao Richie. Chinese is awful. That sounded all right to me, though, and he didn't sound too bad. But are you taking lessons in it? Uh, when I've got time, yeah. I mean, it's it's incredibly difficult, but um, it's absolutely required here. But I'll, I'll tell you just on that, because that was actually what I was going to call in the first instance. I was having a conversation with my father about this before. Um, going back to England to work, it's it's no, you know, especially in the education sector now, um, it's absolutely of no appeal to me. What, what they're teaching, I, I don't want to go too much into it, because I know you spent a lot of time on it, but... I've got colleagues who are in the UK teaching young kids five and six and the stuff what they're telling me they're teaching, it does ring true with what some of your guests have been saying. Um, you know, it's it's quite incredible that there's such a, a a shift in China. There's none of that. Absolutely none of that. It's it's just 
completely the opposite. You are what you are here. Um, there's no wokeness here at all. That's what I like, you know, and a lot of people will look at China and say, you know, they are quite um, harsh and stuff and draconian, what have you. But my experience, it's been nice to get away from that. It's been nice to, to, to just close off from the nonsense at home. And I would never, never think twice about going home to teach in the education sector in Britain. No way. So Not you, after what they're teaching now. So you you can endorse some of the stories we've heard about the most um, graphic things being taught to children in schools. You've, you've heard this. Listeners have been in touch, Andy, while you've been on. To ask, has mm. the in your in to your knowledge, and we don't expect you to know everything, of course, you're living and working there. Has the Chinese government mm. has the Chinese government issued any statement at all about aliens or UFOs? Have they ever said anything, particularly recently with the congressional hearing? There's there's nothing I know about that, but one thing I did find interesting was I was here during, you know, the whole balloon thing a few months ago. Um I've lost track of time, three, four, five months ago maybe. All of my Chinese colleagues have no idea about it. So that was not reported in the Chinese media at all. Uh, when I was talking to them about what the Western media was saying it was, they had absolutely no idea. So I can tell you for a fact that was not a narrative in China, the balloon debacle or whatever you want to call it. So there's certainly things that they're not privy to here. Um, yeah, as for like believing, people believing it, I really don't think they do. Um, unfortunately, the truth is money is God here, Richie. That's, that seems to be the way of the world here um, and nothing else really matters. So, yeah, I mean, I, I will speak to colleagues about what they actually believe and what they've heard yeah. and what they've read, but to my knowledge, nothing, no. And what about climate change there, Andy, before I take another call? It's been absolutely gassed to have you on, by the way, thanks. Is, is climate change taken seriously there in China? No, thanks for having me, Richie. Again, it's not an issue I can see. I mean... Um, they are massive proponents of just building and building and, you know, infrastructure is a huge thing. There's constantly work getting done everywhere you turn. There's constantly work. Uh, even in my flat now, there's someone drilling at 12 o'clock at night. <laughs> it's just, no way. It's just a fact of life. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's just a fact over here, but it doesn't seem to be the issue. I mean, in, in terms of that, I think you mentioned yourself, the actual output and the scale that we output in the UK is less than 1%, isn't it, of the world, the whole world. That's uh, right. CO2 emissions. So, yeah, I mean, I, I can't speak for China, but I can definitely say um, it doesn't seem to be an issue with regards to what, what the general public think. Andy, it's absolutely brilliant to catch up with you, mate. Thanks. It's a, it's a, it's a tonic, really. I, when, when I see Andy, I didn't realise it was you, um, obviously. Just um, all the success in the world out there, pal. And uh, don't be a stranger. We're always here on the phone. And when you've got something to say, give us a shout. Oh, cheers, Richie. It was lovely to talk to you. I'll call again. My pleasure. Thanks, time. Andy. Oh, what a lovely bloke Andy is. Met Andy, as I said, some years ago um, when he was studying at Salford, studying television and radio there, which is something I did myself. And he says, um, he says, oh, would you help me out with a project I'm doing? And he was familiar with the people's voice and stuff. So uh, I gave him a hand. Don't think I did. I, I didn't do very much for him, really. And we've stayed in touch um, off and on ever since then. He's in China now. That is absolutely fascinating. This is the Richie Allen Show. It's live from Salford here in the northwest of the UK. Um, Yvonne will be with me in a few minutes' time. Before that, though, back to the phone lines. Caller, welcome to the programme. Who am I speaking with? Is that me, Richie? It's you, Richie. Who am I speaking with? <laughs> Hello, mate. Simon. Uh, Simon from the south of England, Dorset. How you doing, uh, Simon? Living on the other point now. Champion, mate. Champion. Thanks, thanks for taking the call, Richie. Not at all, buddy. Um, what would you like to say? Go ahead. 
there's loads I could talk to you about. Um, I messaged you recently about the old Freemasonry, um, the hand signal being thrown in the court. But I've actually rang today, just really, just a, a real quick one. Um, like most of you listeners, yourself, I've, I've done away with the mainstream media, uh, listened to podcasts and stuff. And very recently, uh, I was listening to a podcast, I was quite engrossed with it, I can't remember what channel it was, but the guy, the guy I was listening to was talking about the BBC, and he said, oh, the BBC, and of course... They were started by MI5. Now, that really hit me, and it's like, it, it kind of link, rings true, the way, you know, the media are used. Look at Project Mockingbird over in the States. Why would it be any different here? Look at the timescale also when they started the BBC. So I'm kind of really interested to see if you've got a take on that or any of your listeners. Well, do you know what I do when I speak with people like yourself, Simon? I type into my Google search engine. and um, I'm oh, I did that. Well, yeah, I mean, I've done that, obviously. Yeah, I'm, I, look, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not imagining that I'm always going to get the truth on Google, not at all. But um, I can't find anything that suggests MI5 were involved in the launch of the BBC. But there are some interesting articles coming up about how MI5, wait for this, vetted BBC staff right up until the 1990s. Isn't that there amazing? There you go, mate. Hey? Oh, come on, it's just a propaganda arm of the government, isn't it? It just makes sense. Yeah, let me, uh, Simon, Simon, hold, hold, hold that thought. Let me read the first paragraph. This is from The National, right? So it's, um, it's reasonably mainstream, right? A woman called Nan Spowart. Uh, the BBC allowed MI5 staff to vet... I'm sorry, the BBC allowed MI5 to vet staff right up until the 1990s. It has been revealed. Files detailing the broadcaster's secret links to the security services showed that investigations were made into the lives and the allegiances of thousands of employees, including reporters, newsreaders, and even continuity announcers. Go on, Simon. Yeah. Well, well, well there you go, mate. <laughs> Let's open a can of worms. Do you want to hear about this Freemason story from a court case? Well, if it's if it's relevant and if you can make it kind of understandable to me, uh, yeah, okay. absolutely, go ahead. I'll, I'll, I'll try and keep it brief. Right, okay. So we're going back to late nineties, ninety seven. Uh, mate and I from Dorset moved up to London. Met a couple of girls who were working their way around the world, stripping whatever. But anyway, so we ended up down in Dorset for a weekend. Um, we borrowed a friend's car. My mate didn't have a license, and we, we've been out drinking in Paul, gone back to our hometown. And when we got there, basically it kicked off the car park. A police car came down, everything got out of hand, and CS spray was used in the air. We were all the coppers, the two coppers, myself and two of the uh, co-defendants. Um, we, we were all sprayed. It got mad. Anyway, so we ended up at a six-day Crown Court trial. Basically, we were assaulted by the police. Typical story, you get assaulted by the police, taken to the police station, charged with assault on police, or assaulting police. Um, so... During the six-day trial, the first two people to give evidence were the two coppers. And I'm going to say good cop, bad cop. And the first guy got up, he was very honest and frank in the statement. Um, one of the questions in particular was about the statement. Did you sit down at the same table? And it emerged that, yes, we were sat across the table and we did confer when making the notes. Um, now, the second cop came along, a bad cop. Um, he was getting really red and frustrated, and during cross-examination, he, he basically lied. Everyone, everyone in that courtroom knew that that copper was lying under oath in a court of law. Now, all of a sudden, he, under cross-examination, he was asked this, question, this one question, I can't remember what it was, but he, he squealed, No, Your Honour! And he threw his hands up in the air, and... Um, that's kind of, there was a big bang at the time, but I didn't, that didn't really figure. It was just the way, and I thought, this is going to be case dismissed. 
Uh, it didn't happen. The judge adjourned it on the afternoon. As I say, this was the first of uh, a six-day six day trial. So that was it. Done and done. Done and dusted. Now, 20 years later, I'm looking down. I'm on the internet doing a bit of research, and there's a list of Freemasonic hand signals. And number 10, there was a guy with his hands in the air, and it said, it's a Freemason in distress, often used in a court of law. No way. So, yeah. So that means not only was filth, sorry, the copper was filth. He was filth. Freemasonic copper is filth, as far as I'm concerned. And that filthy judge, they're honourable to each other, aren't they? And Freemasons, by my, my vague understanding, they're not allowed to convict one another. So hang on now, so you, you, so, so, so you, you think that under cross-examination, bad cop was having a bad time of it, he was becoming distressed and agitated because your brief was doing yeah. a really good job, and he made some sort of Freemasonic gesture to the judge, and the judge bailed him out. Exactly that, They're throwing his hands in the air. Now, as I say, it was 20 years later, um, a couple of years ago, I'm a lorry driver, I was speaking to a colleague, and he said he used to be a Freemason back in the day. I don't know if they can ever leave, but he was always very genuine. And uh, I said about this situation, and he said, did he kick the dock? Now, I said about that bang, didn't I? That bang, he, he did kick the dock. And he, he said, apparently, that's part of the ritual. No so way. That was and can, 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 uh, I've got to challenge this. Is there some place online we can see this stuff? Um... Yeah, certainly. Um, well, I, I don't know. I, I look for the court case. I'm not calling you a lawyer now, Simon. I'm not calling you a lawyer at no, all. No, I just, I just love to read more about this, to be honest. Yeah, no, I mean, it's interesting. It, it takes away, takes us away from the climate hoax and the COVID fraud. Yeah, absolutely, but, yeah. Um, and not only that, Richie, I mean, several years ago, I decided I'd had enough, and I, so I rang Inland Revenue, and I said, look, I've, I've stopped. I've withdrawn all consent. Um, I, I don't want to be policed or governed. I don't need to be governed by you. Um, I was on PAYE at the time, um, so I said, look, I refuse to pay you now. I'm not refusing. I, there's no lawful reason for me to pay tax to these slags, as far as I'm concerned. Um, so I've got a feeling that will soon come to a head, and I've probably given the game away. I know you've got your detractors that listen to you. We all do. Um, so that's going to be one of my main forms of my defence as to why I stand where I am. That's one of my decisions. Right. Why I will not support British government in any way, shape, or form. Well, if you do, so if, if you do find yourself in court dealing with this, do let us know, won't you? And we can chat about it. We'll get we'll get you on yeah, a bet, sure. we'll get you on a better line. The, the line is not created. I know you're on a mobile and you're probably pulled over. But I'm fascinated about Freemasonry. Um, thanks yeah. for that, Simon. I reckon I'm going to get calls on that. I really appreciate that. That's okay. a fascinating yeah. one. Thanks. It would be interesting. I'll, um, I will. I did promise to write you an email a while back. I, I know you're busy as well. I will drop a little bit more there so you can try and verify that I'm kosher. Yeah, and I've, right, got, so, I've, got um, a, I've got a PO box address these days as well. You can always send me a snail mail. Thanks, um, Simon. Really good stuff from Simon. I, I want to mention there on that, I said this before, and it is interesting. To me, it might not be so interesting to you, but when our time was nearly coming to an end in Spain, um we came very close to acquiring a pub in Nottingham. And a bloke from Nottingham who used to frequent our bar in Spain and kind of helped to broker the, the deal for the bar, he said to me that he was um, a Freemason. And he said he would propose me for membership if I was to become the landlord of the bar. And I obviously heard about Freemasonry and stuff like that. Obviously heard about it. And I said, like, what use would that be to me? And he said, uh, well, you know, you could have, um," he said, it'll open up doors for you. 
and it'll make business and life in business a little bit easier for you than it otherwise would have been. So anyway, shortly after this, I, I end up working with David Icke, who's written extensively about secret societies. And I asked him about it. And I said, what was that all about? And David Icke's take on it at the time was, he said, yeah, there will be many thousands of Masons, low-level Masons, who've got nothing to do with anything. You know, blokes who turn up to um, the meetings or, or go to the lodge or whatever. But he said, rungs up the ladder. You, you are then dealing with very serious people. That was his take on it. And I obviously am paraphrasing uh, David Icke. I don't want to do David a disservice, but I did say to him, what do you reckon, you know, to me being, um, you know, offered, not offered, but the guy said if the deal ever gets done and you end up living and working in Nottingham, my, I don't know if he said chapter, not sure he said chapter, but he said my lodge maybe, I'll propose you for membership, he said, and it's a bit of glad handing, get a bit of business done here and there and Never got the bar, so uh, never joined the Freemasons. Or maybe I did, dear listener. There'll be people listening now who says, he did, he did. <laughs> no, I'm not a member. I'm a member of Manchester United Football Club. That's the only membership I hold in 2023. But uh, your thoughts on that before we say a quick hello to Yvonne. Let me present you once again with the details for the phone-in. <laughs> It's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie. Or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44 161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. Yes, and there is a WhatsApp number. Shall I give it to you? Ah, Jesus. I think I've thrown away the piece of paper with the number on it. And that's no good. So there is a WhatsApp number. There's even a QR code on Facebook and on Twitter, where you point your phone at the thing. I know it's outrageous, I know. And you will immediately get through to me. Yvonne, welcome. Hello, Richie. How, How are, are you? you? Nice to chat with you. Bringing a bit I'm of femininity. A bit of an echo. Well, so, well, if there's an echo, I'll tell you what I I'll do. I, I don't hear an echo, so I'll clear out the call and we'll start it again. You know, you're, you're talking about exceptionally high technology, high tech. And yet sometimes if you just clear out a call and dial again, you lose the echo. Isn't it amazing? Now, I hope that clears out the echo your end. Are you, are you better there? You are. Uh, yes, I think I am. Slightly better. Definitely. Good. Good. Well, I, we're not getting any echo. It's not going out on air. So that's all Good. that matters. Good. That's all that matters. It's, I mean, the sanctity of your show the is sanctity. all sanctity. I'd throw anybody <laughs> under the bus to preserve the sanctity <laughs> of this programme. Nice to have you back, Yvonne. What would you like to say? Go ahead. Um, well, what would you like to talk about? Um, you phone ether? me, love. AI? Oh, yeah, okay, fine. Okay, I would like to talk about Ether and see what anybody else in the audience knows about that. Um, I started watching some videos on how the internet was kind of disappearing. You know, when you do searches for Google, uh, you, they say, okay, you search, you know, climate change. And you get like millions of options, millions of uh, whatever. And then you go down and you scroll down and you keep going to all the end of the pages and it finally reduces to like a couple of hundred. So it's a little bit like, where is the internet? Where are those millions of options? You know, the 
where's Bob's blog on climate change? Very good. Yes. It's gone. It's, it's gone. gone. So I started looking into that and then I came across ether, which is considered the fifth element. Uh, some consider it the fourth. It, they say it's like an anagram of earth, actually. Who knows? I don't know. I'm not very deep into this rabbit hole yet. Um, and I started looking at, uh, I came across this video that showed the, the electrical infrastructure in England, for example, that has those gigantic poles with, you know, they're gigantic masts that reach out into the sky very high above. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I do. I'm I'm wrapped here. I'm absolutely okay, riveted. Okay, yeah. okay. Go ahead. Anyway, notice how even when uh, the landscape changed, they were building houses around them. They didn't take them down. They didn't bury those. And I believe they actually work via ether, which is kind of the energy source that possibly could be attributed to Tesla doing his experiments. You know, he had some phenomenal experiments that he did that are, you can still find pictures of things he lit up, electricity, whatever. And as I looked into ether, it comprises, there's a book that shows that it comprises of etherons. And etherons, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it correctly, it's kind of how it's spelled, travel at 1.75 the speed of light. And this has actually been proven by many scientists, and this is documented by scientists in late 1800s, early 1900s. So nearly twice the speed of light these things travel, nearly. Well, certainly faster, and, you know, it, it, it would prove, you know, because they do say, you know, Einstein is a fraud. He took yeah. papers from his wife, you know, whatever. I mean, I, I get bored when I go down to too many of those rabbit holes, but... You know, basically, the speed of light was was a very convenient thing to latch onto, and the fact that they can generate electricity via ether on those, if you look at those big tower structures, they actually form like a closed loop. So they are collecting um, energy as they pick it up. So it's like a self-sustaining system. Is it big enough, for example, to now power the UK entirely? Yeah based on its current population no which is why you now have underground wires you have above ground possibly some shorter structures like what we have in spain you know just on a big wooden pole that you know about a few meters up um so yeah that still needs to exist to to add on to it but that free energy is there the free energy is already there that's my that's kind of mind-blowing isn't it um, yeah, it is. An it ether, is. An ether on I, is I have some inter interesting videos that I'll post like at the end of your um, message thing. Do on the on the website, yeah. Because uh, just looking up ether and etherons here, again on Google, um, I knew nothing of these things. Of course, etherons. Me either. Yeah, you you neither until recently. Um, the smallest particle that can exist and which mediates yes. the gravitational interactions. Um, yes. Capable of. Unbelievable speed, and you mentioned just at the start of this. You mentioned um, the fact that a lot of knowledge, or at least a lot of um, uh, work, put put out there by men and women over the years online since the birth of the internet, I suppose, 
um, maybe people taking on things like climate change, maybe people taking on um, false flag terrorism and stuff like that. You're right to make this point. A lot of stuff that existed is now gone. It's gone and gone for good. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I was trying to look up this. Uh, I had come across a really interesting theory when I came across Ether. I thought, oh, I want to look back at this cyclical thing because the other thing about Ether, it could explain why, because it's so fast, you could almost be in the same place at the same time. But maybe then it goes into the dimensions. You yeah, know, I yeah, mean, yeah. to me, it's all kind of, I'm trying to make sense of it in my mind. I don't have it there yet, obviously, by the way, I just said that. But let me just read this, no. Yvonne. Let me just read this from Jean Anne. Ether was well understood in the 18th and 19th centuries. The word was in fairly common usage. It was understood yes. as some sort of element which held metaphysical shite together. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, 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 yes. Bang on. Would this be, I love asking stupid questions, but you're looking into this now and I know nothing about it. Would this have anything to do with dark matter or anything like that? Is it in well, the same ballpark? I don't know, but uh, it, it certainly makes me question, you know, what is the purpose of CERN in Switzerland, for example? What does that have to do with it? Because obviously they're keeping, you know, if this is all true, I don't know 100%, but it seems very likely. Because if you also think about um, when you do a Google search, on anything, you get a response back. It'll tell you, oh, 2 million, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. 0.43 seconds. 0.43 seconds. Okay. Think about this. I'm accessing a website. You could even do this. I, I can Google a bakery in, in London from Spain. It has to go supposedly through my router, through fiber, through this, through that. There's latency in all of that. I used to do computer science uh, um, capacity planning in data centers. Yeah. So I know how this works. By latency, so, you mean delay. This never there should made be some, sense to me. It's never made sense to me either. This is absolutely mind-blowing stuff, yeah. Yeah, I'll go on there now and look up um, some cafe we used to visit in Sabanias in Spain when we lived there. Yeah. And like you said, instantaneously. There is no yeah. delay, no latency, as you said, nothing. Bang, right. It's, right in it's right in front of you. Yeah. Yeah. While your previous caller was calling via a semi-landline, in a way, because he goes through physical towers. So that's why his sound was bad, or sometimes you lose somebody if they decide to step outside to smoke a cigarette while talking to you, maybe. You know, that goes on land structure. Those are the towers. That's the 5G, the 3G, 2G. I also worked for a major telecommunication company, so I know how that works. Um, so that's why you have the cutoffs. You don't have that with Internet. You don't. No, so, but, but, but most people so these days are using Wi-Fi. It's going via Ether. And, and I think there's, there must be people out there who know more about this than I, obviously, um, and have done the calculations of, you know, how fast the sound travel, how, yeah. you know, if Etherons are this speed, you know, to, to, to prove some of this. And in the meantime, they're laughing at us. This is know? really because we use an Ethernet cable to connect our computers to 
the modem or the device that's taken to your wall by your telecommunications company. So they bring the device to the wall. Correct. If you like, Correct. if you like, you can use an Ethernet cable, but um, increasingly more people are not using them. They're using the Wi-Fi, right? Yes, they are. They are. And, and that would be bouncing off fiber. But you will all, even if you have Wi-Fi, you still have a router in your home. So your router acts as an antenna into the ether. So it does both, if you will. Oh uh, yeah, I get you. You understand what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I I don't know. I, I I don't mean to sound patronizing. No, you're not. No, no, you're not. No, I, this look. I I'm a complete um, technophobe. I'm completely idiotic when these. Things are discussed. I have no concept of how things work uh, electronically. I'm pretty useless. So make it as basic as you want. I won't be offended at all. I totally get this. What you're saying is, or what you're suggesting is, is maybe this stuff is happening. Maybe it's being uh, delivered by Etherons. Yes, and Ether is free. Ether yeah. is just, as your friend just recently um, texted you, um, yeah, it's just totally free. And it is energy because if it does go at greater than the speed of light, it's able to generate energy. And I also think, you know, this is the other aspect that I'm very interested in is we have symbiotic relationships with everything. So does ether play a game in that? So we're being, you know, I, I don't want to get into are there viruses or no, whatever. I don't care about that, but is illness because we are, in kind of a sick relationship with each other. You know, you're having bad vibes with your husband or brother or whatever. And that causes, you know, kind of like a disruption in that. Got to read a few comments. Hang on. Michelle came on to say, I think electroculture works on the same principle to ether. Electroculture, this is where you wrap a stick with copper wire, place it in the soil, and it helps the plants to grow oh, amazingly. Yes. Another brilliant aspect of that. Another, yeah, yeah, that would definitely be a road I would go down to compare, you know, similarities of theories across the board of that for sure. This is mental. For sure, because, yeah. because you know, remember Tesla used many components in his structures. He used copper. I mean, why, why do we see churches with copper bells and things like that? I mean... I also would like to go down to into the theories about were churches really, you know, filled with stained glass windows or was that put in later? Was it actually a healing center where sound was, you know, sounded through? I mean, the songs. I mean, and if you look at old uh, cathedrals, you know, those pews, those wooden benches were put on way later. I mean, it's it's kind of like me putting a, you know, an Ikea garden bench in my old garden. You know, so maybe they were never sitting. Maybe they came to the church for healing purposes, for vibrational exercises. And is there anything in literature anywhere that, I mean, this, I know it's a new field of research for you, you've already said this, but I wonder if there's anything contained in literature way back when that might support such a theory. Well, that the churches know, I'm, were different. Uh, I'm trying to get my hands on the oldest books I can yeah. find. And 
you know, you know, we have to also realize, you know, we're being lied to a lot in history. Um, I recently started a series on, from Fumenko, a, a Russian historian who has a totally different perspective. So, you know, these are all, you know, parameters we have to think about when kind of cross theorizing is kind of what you're doing, isn't it? Exactly, 100%. I'm going to read two more comments and then we'll we'll move on and see if there are any takers on this. Um, Ian reckons the speed of light is really the speed of thought, which is why computers work as fast as they do. Speed of light is only the speed of thought, as fast or as slow uh, as that might be. The speed sometimes varies. Now on that, there was something else uh, very interesting. Let me go back, let me go back. Um, we had something about AI. Somebody sent a message in about AI. Apparently, how AI is going to be providing search engine results um, and that anything... Why have I lost that? Let me find that now again. Uh, oh, God. it's me So many messages are coming in. Um, like, literally, so many. Um, yeah, this is from Bry or Bree. Apparently, AI is producing all search results. The access to old blogs or websites... Um, to do to access the old blogs or websites, you need to use the Wayback Machine. Yeah, I've come across that online. Is the Internet yes, Wayback course. Machine? Yes, yes, true. Of course, the data is stored somewhere. You know, data. You know, there's disk drives. There's you know, data farms, etc. Data centers that do all that. And and I I would like to say you know AI is like the Y two K thing. I laughed when I was in the industry about Y2K. It basically came down to changing every program uh, because they had the dates were two digits instead of four digits. So that was the issue. Yeah, I remember you. Yeah. So it would, you know, so the only thing we, I did this as a programmer straight out of university. And basically all I had to do was like search through a program and there were already some tools that you could do searches, look for date fields and change them from four digits to two. Or, I mean, from two to four. I mean, it was a nothing burger. AI is the same thing. The thing about AI is, though, is that it's very clever and very quick, and it can maintain a shitload of data. So, as a solution, I would say, you know, stay away as much as possible of inputting any data. Don't use those QR codes. I mean, the tools in data centers, they use data scraping, where, you know, as soon as you like place your phone over that in Cigna or, you know, this was another trick, Elon Musk, adding the blue bird for a payment of whatever per month, you know, uh, a blue tick, yeah. that allowed yeah. that company to scrape a boatload of data because you now have to pay for it. Number one, so they get financial data from you, they, you know, and then they can do other searches, trawling, you know, to gather more data. It's data scraping. Stay away. One solution I would propose, having worked in the industry all my life, stay away as much as possible from entering your data anywhere. Do not accept one of those bonus cards at supermarkets or IKEA. I mean, how much money will you really save? Think about it. Because that data is the gold. The yeah, data is the gold. You're, you're right about the data being the gold, but the truth is you do save lots. Now, I obviously know better 
but I do use a a store card. Not a store card. A store card is where you, you, you buy stuff on credit. I use one of their um, club cards. I use one of them because the sa- especially in the last six to eight months, the savings have become pretty huge using them. Understand. Yeah, yeah. Understand. I, I mean, I'm, t- I'm not talking about saving a pound or two at the checkout. I'm talking about, in my case, yesterday, even though I nearly died when I got the bill at the checkout yesterday, it was still, by using the card, I was still saving nine or ten pounds which is better in my pocket. But you're 100% right. It's all about data. Can I ask you before I move on, um, Yvonne, this mm. is important. So I, 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 I take it from what you said to me. You don't think that artificial intelligence, whatever they are, programs, could ever become aware of their own existence and begin... No. You don't no, believe that at all? Absolutely not. Absolutely freaking not. It's... It, it, it's it's almost bigger than the climate hoax if it didn't cost so much, you know, the climate hoax. But no, no, I believe this whole rigmarole, but oh, we need to put a stop on AI. Yeah, okay. So the guy can now become an AI consultant somewhere for much more money for the same losers that would buy Y2K coverage services at my company. Do you know my radio station? Y2K. Do you know my radio station back in 1999? I was working for WLRFM in Waterford. And I, I'd been there a year or whatever. There was absolute panic. I remember mm. the company spent, I don't know exactly what figure because I obviously wouldn't have that I privilege, know. but they spent an enormous amount of money on it. I know, I know. It, it, it was... It was hilarious. Yeah. It was hilarious. And I was the DJ. I mean, to us, you know, yeah. to us. I the, was the, the guy. And we were like, okay, I'm getting paid, you know, I was getting paid decent money at the time for a 20-year-old, you know, and I was like, all I'm doing is changing programs from two fields to four. It's, I mean, it's, it's crazy, isn't it? I was, <laughs> New, New Year's Eve happens to be my birthday, and I was asked, would I do the... 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. or 2 a.m. slot. I didn't give a damn, right? New Year's. I said, yeah, I'll do it. And uh, it was the worst thing I ever did because I, I was in meetings for weeks because I was going to be the guy on air at midnight. <laughs> weeks. Oh, my God. Weeks. Hilarious. Contingency That's plans hilarious. and everything. Yeah. <laughs> Transmitters. and Anyway, so it got to 12 midnight. And sure, nobody's listening to the radio, right? Nobody's listening to the radio. Even, even on you know, successful stations. So I just ring in the new year. I say, right, there we are. The countdown was coming in from somewhere else. So I, happy new year, play old, old Lang Syne. And a couple of minutes later, we're, <laughs> we're still on air and the computers are still working. Yes, yeah. of course. Of course. Yeah. Somebody's asking us, I mean, right? So, so just because I, I, calls are coming in, I've got I've to be fair sorry, to the callers. Sorry, no, I'm totally no, It's very good, very good, very good. No, it's important. super fun. It's a good way to take... Um, it's a good direction to take. Very interesting. Uh, somebody has gotten in touch to say they agree that the AI wouldn't be sentient or couldn't be sentient. But um, do they want people or could they make people believe this? Is there a desire, do you think, on the part of governments well, to people, get people to believe uh, it? Of course they do, because, you know, everything that, you know, creates fear is like a great thing. I mean, the worst thing you could do is fear. You know, find find a good comedy if you're feeling fear. That that's my you know thought. Yes. But no, this is absolute baloney. It will never happen. Will AI speed things up? Absolutely. I mean, they're building data centers galore everywhere. 
you know, everywhere. Everywhere. There are now data farms under the sea. Hey, don't forget, Yvonne, they are putting out bollocks in Ireland at the moment, claiming that the data centres will be brilliant. We'll be able to take heat from the data centres and heat some of your homes. That's right. Oh, oh my God, yeah. yeah. While they're using, I mean, one data yeah. centre alone in the Netherlands uses 64 million fresh uh, liters, fresh water, drinking water. To keep it cool. Per year, to keep it cool. And on top of it, if uh, the network is overloaded in the neighborhood, then they're allowed to turn on all their gas generators, which have thousands and thousands and thousands of liters. And of course, you know, the, the network in the Netherlands is already at maximum capacity. I mean, a company would have a hard time without major government subsidy to even open a business there. So, yeah. Be, um, just before I take another call, just very quickly, you've been on the move, haven't you? Is it okay to say yeah, that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, this is my final position. This is this is it. I mean, I told my husband, "You're taking me out between six wooden slats." <laughs> <laughs> from this place. I am never unpacking a box again. I mean, I've moved so much in my life. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Seriously, this is it. Yeah, well, I, I don't um, think I've moved as much yeah, as I'm you. Yeah, I'm in the south of moved. Spain. I'm in the south of Spain. And as far as solutions, people, you know, grow a few plants in the window, do anything. You know, teach your kid how to make cupcakes. Start small. I felt kind of bad about people bashing Mark Windows yesterday. That's why I'm bringing that up. Oh, yeah, but there was plenty of um, support from him as well, you know. And, and, mm. and, and we are an open forum here. I don't mind being bashed True. myself. I no, get bashed. And, and I, got, I, I, I did yeah. get the perspective. I did get it. I just think um, I've known Mark since um, TPV. And my, I didn't start off well with Mark. I was, I was a bit of a bastard back in the day. <laughs> Uh, well, on, only because I had standards. I'm not saying Mark didn't now, but there were people around him on his program down there and they were fairly idiotic. And uh, I, I, I've never been one not to say things or keep things to myself. But uh, Mark's a brilliant bloke. And I think what it is with him is it's, um, it's the, the realisation of this stuff is happening. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's happening now, you know. And like 10, 15 years ago, seeing that communicating it to people, travelling the country, going to pubs and clubs and sometimes yeah. getting attacked by Antifa and all this stuff and carrying on telling people and people just went back to the soccer or went yeah, back to the tennis. Yeah, you know what, I really do think it was the, it, I, I think it was the wine and the cocaine that did it. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I, I've had similar experiences in Greece where, you know, when the smoking laws came in, I, I went there before EU and then suddenly after EU, it was like, oh, we, we have to have smoking sections and non-smoking sections. And we went to a taverna and uh, I said, no, I, I want to smoke. And I was ready to turn around and the guy just puts an ashtray on the table. Oh, it's part of the smoking section now. You know, I, I mean, that's how easy it goes. It's as easy. Absolutely. I never smoked I mean, a cigarette in my make, life, but I wasn't Be forced. a rebel in small bits, you know. Yeah. If you're a pub owner or a shop owner or something. Yvonne, great to have you anyway, back. Anyway, I've taken up, I've taken up a huge no, no, amount of that, time. That, I feel so selfish. Not at all. That I would have kicked you off. Um, I would have kicked you off if it, 
um, if I wasn't um, interested. I would have oh, done. Just quick question: Can I send small packages? Can I? Could I send you a book to your PO box? Oh in yeah, the UK? do do to the PO box. Yeah. Okay, and if I send euros, is that a problem for you? Is that going to be a big? Cost no, but you don't. Have, I, but you don't have to do that. The call was was worth its weight. No, 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 no. I want to. But I, I'm, um, I, I'm I'm guessing seriously. So, yeah. Pardon me? No, I'm guessing so. I, I can't imagine why there'd be an issue. I think it's going to happen more and more, I think, as people don't want to be, you know, um, dealing with banks. I've had a number of people email me to tell me that they wouldn't be supporting the show electronically anymore, but that they would be sending via the P.O. box. So, so yeah. Okay, but euros, But my point is euros is not a problem because I, don't, I wouldn't want it to be a huge no, cost to convert it to pounds. Not at all. No okay. issue. Banks only down okay. the road. Yvonne, brilliant. All right, well... Hello to everyone and thank you for putting up with me so much. Not at all. Brilliant call and good luck with the settling in. The final, thank you. The, the, not the final resting place, but the final, uh, the final living place. Yvonne there. That's an exceptional call that. That's really interesting, isn't it? Ether, Etheron. How are they doing the things they are doing? These speeds. She's, she makes a good point. Where's the latency? It is quite astonishing when you think about it. I mean, we had Andy. Andy phoned my pal from yesteryear, the uh, Scouser, who's a Liverpool fan. And they phoned in from uh, China. And there was about a one-second delay there, wasn't there? Maybe one and a half seconds. It's quite astonishing. And so much of it is wireless. You know, he's using a wireless device in China. How is it getting here so quickly? It's wonderful, really, when you start to think about it. I do remember starting out on the radio... And even though the managing director didn't like it very often, didn't like it at all, in fact, but sometimes on the mid-morning talk show, we would phone, because there was no Skype then, no Skype whatsoever, we would phone guests in the United States or phone guests in certain parts of Europe. And the managing director would pull his hair out um, because of the cost of it, you know, obviously. I used to tell him to go and do some deals with... Telecomerin as it was at the time, you know, do some deals, quid pro quo, give us a massive discount on the long distance calls and we'll run some ads for your products and stuff like that. But anyway, the managing director didn't like me very much. Full stop. I don't blame him. But um, even then it was mad, really. I remember during the September the 11th thing, which I won't bore you with because I told you the story before, but we were ringing people and putting them on the air. The Gabby Cabby, Peter Franklin in New York. And there was no delay. And we're told that this call is running under the Atlantic Ocean. Landline call. Landline WLRFM as it was in Georgia Street in Waterford to New York City where Peter was in his office, the great Gabby Cabby. I must bring him back on this programme. It's been about five years since he was on. He's lovely, Peter. Great guy. He used to be in the army. And um, Billy would be saying to Peter, God rest Billy, He'd be saying, uh, and what, what can you see, Peter? And instantly, instantly, no delay, Peter would be like, well, Billy, I'm not too far from um, World Trade Centre Plaza or whatever it was called. And, you know, I can see the smoke is coming towards me and all that sort of stuff. There was no delay. And then I used to do these, these late night shows in Spain, as you know, and people w- would ring up and like Yvonne, they would have worked in telecoms and stuff. And some people would say after one or two whiskeys, you know, a Ballantines and water, Ballantines on the rocks. One or two people would say, Richie, a lot of the technology we have today, do you really believe that human beings invented it? And I'd be like, yeah, that is interesting, isn't it? 
we are so technologically advanced in 2023 compared to how advanced we were in 1905 or even 1949 or 1971. We've come very far very quickly, haven't we? And there are those who do not believe we achieved this alone. There are those who think we might have had some help along the way. What say you, dear listener? Uh, there is a WhatsApp number. Hang on, it's on the floor. Here it is. It is, if, you, if you'd like to get in touch with me before the end of the programme. And I'm in a bit of pain here, by the way. And um, I'm pretty good with pain. I'm not saying I'm as good as women are with pain and dealing with pain, but I'm pretty, I've got a pretty good threshold for pain. But I'm in pain now. And I can't understand why. I shouldn't be. Um, because the, th- the thing that's broken is a temporary bridge. A permanent one will be put on the the crowns. You know how do, they do these things? You know how they put um, a permanent bridge on, a ceramic bridge? You know how they do it, don't you? They pare down a couple of teeth and then they hang the bridge on the teeth that they've crowned, right? So they've crowned these teeth. They're waiting for the gums to heal up, right? And they've given me a temporary bridge, which is collapsing again. And now I'm in pain. I shouldn't be in pain. I'm very worried about that, to be honest. I'm worried that one of the crowns is in trouble. And if that's the case, dear listener, I'm in trouble. Because then I'm in denture territory. And I don't want to be in denture territory. Um, because I'm... Um, I don't want to be in denture territory. Brian says the the club card is a pet hate. No, no, Brian, we'll come back to Brian. Because uh, the son of a policeman got involved, got in touch even. Let me find that, Japers. Let me find that now, because it was a very good, I think it was Robert, or was it Gerald? It was Gerald. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Hang on now, I know, I know, I know. I'm getting fed up with this system as well, you know that? I'm getting totally and utterly fed up with the system. It's pissing me off. Um, Gerald says, my late father was a detective, so he was listening to Simon earlier on. My late dad was a detective inspector in the Lancashire Police Force and he took early retirement because he was turned down for promotion constantly. And he was turned down, says Gerald, because he refused to join the local Masonic Lodge. He was actually told this by senior officers in private. He used to talk about it over the dinner table constantly when I was younger, says Gerald. You should have phoned me, Gerald. Be better to hear from you. That's very interesting. Thank you for that message there. Uh, Steve says, communication technology, Richie, alien, reverse engineering. We have come a long way, he says, since the telegraph and the telegram. Yeah, we have. Absolutely. 100%. Chris says, Mark must be totally exasperated, he says. That's our, our pal Mark Windows. Uh, I think I know a little of how he feels. I was ranting to people through 2020 and onwards. I was told in no uncertain terms recently that nobody paid attention. Nobody refused the job on my advice, to which I said, more effing fool them. They don't say anything now, do they, says Chris. Let's go back to the telephone lines. Caller, welcome to the programme. Who am I speaking with? Oh, hello, Rich. It's, uh, it's Wayne. It's Wayne in London. How are you doing, Wayne? Nice to hear from you, pal. Hi. Hiya, yeah. Um, no, I've been meaning to call. Um, it's lovely to get through to you. I've been um, been meaning to call for quite a while. I was, I was originally going, wanting to call about something else, but um, 
if I could just pick up on, uh, I thought you might be interested to hear about uh, my experience with the um, with the Masons. You mentioned the Masons, didn't you? Absolutely. Let's chat about the Masons. What did you make before you tell us your own take on it? Gerald said his dad was in the Lancashire Police. He became a detective inspector, but he was basically prevented from any further advancement because of his refusal to join the Masonic Lodge. Uh, I'm certainly, I'm not calling Gerald a liar. Why would he say that? But does, does that ring true to you, Wayne? Um, possibly. Possibly. I mean, um, you know, I certainly think there's a lot of... Me- um, nep- uh, what's the word? <laughs> Nepotism. I can't say the word. Um you know, certainly, I think, um, yeah, they 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 help each other out, and um, you know, it's very, you know, you know, very much. Um, yeah, I think that's that's, that's quite possible. I'm, I'm, you know, I don't I don't see why that's um, why it, why, why, that why it would be out of out of uh, order. Fair enough. Well, you were going to talk yeah. about your own take on it. Go ahead then. Yeah, um, round about the um, probably about 94, 90, uh, 95. Um, round about the same time, I was um, starting to look into conspiracy theories. Um, you know, starting to look at who I believed really, um, you know, was behind things, and I started to get more interested in in that kind of thing. Round about the same time, um, I had a friend at the time who um, who I attended his uh, his tarot school. Um, I was already reading the tarot cards, but um, but I, I I I went to his tarot school because I wanted to do a course, and um, and he was in the in, he was in the Masons, and this was um, and after a short while he asked me uh, he asked me if I'd like to join, and he he uh, he offered to sponsor me to join the Masons. So, um, so I said yes, and he um, and he sponsored me, and I was uh, I was I was kind of on the back on the back burner of it was, and, and around the Masons for about um, for about a two year for about a two year period. Very interesting. Never... So your friend recommended you for membership, said that he'd propose yeah. you, and he did, and, and and it happened. I love this, Wayne. So what happens next then? Do you go to tell us how it works then? So how do you become, you know, a low level, uh, entry level Mason? Um, well, I'm, I mean, I'm no expert on the Masons. I mean, I've got a good, a good general knowledge of, um, you know, a lot of a lot of different things. But I mean, um, but what happened with me was um, I had to go to, you know, they, they introduced me to uh, to various. Um, to various people, um, you know, who were sort of like, you know, elderly gentlemen, as it were. Um, and they took me round, um, and I was shown round the um, the Masonic Temple in uh, in London, you know, the big Masonic Temple in, in London, um, which is between, kind of between Holborn and, um, and Leicester Square area. And... Um, and they showed me around the temple, and um, you know, and showed me the Masonic library. And um, and then for about a, a two-year period, um, you know, I spent. Uh, you know, they were inviting me to basically different house parties in Hampstead, in Golders Green. Um, you know, these big houses. Um, you know, lo- lovely properties, and um, you know, would just have drinks and they'd just uh, basically quiz me about a lot of things. 
um, you know, why do you want to join? Um, you know, what, uh, you know, what are your interests? Um, you know, you know, what are your beliefs? And they just ask me the same kind of questions um, uh, again and again. And did you get the impression that at that level, like my my pal from Nottingham, whose name is Alan, by the way, not that yeah. it makes any difference, he said to me, "If you, if I propose to you and you join." it'll basically give you a bit of an advantage that you wouldn't have otherwise had. Did you get that mm. impression, Wayne? Yeah, I mean, I mean, to be honest, that was, that, that was, my, that was my interest. I, yeah. mean, um, I mean, I've always, well, I've always, you know, since, since childhood, I've always been to uh, very much into the esoteric type world, you yeah. know, since, since my earliest memories. And I've always been interested and. um you know, and when I left, and when I left, this was shortly after I left the hotel industry, and uh, I started working for myself, uh, doing different things, and um, uh, and I was always very interested in um, you know in personal development, how I could get uh, um, get on in life, yeah, how I could yeah, get, yeah. Um, you, know, you know how how I could how I could get an edge, meeting the movers uh, and the shakers, it. and uh, getting a bit of a leg up and all of that. Very good. So when they were quizzing you about yourself and your beliefs. Did you let them know that you were very interested in the esoteric, that you were very interested in the tarot and things like that? And if you did, how did they react yeah. to this? Well, they, 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 they knew I was because, because the, um, the guy that sponsored me um, is... Um, I don't really want to mention his, his name on um, No, on it's, it's best we don't, has, yeah. He's, he's, he's dead now, but he still has, um, he still has a daughter. And... Um, you know, and uh, but it, he's he, he's you you probably wouldn't know you probably wouldn't know his name, but uh, but most people in the most people in the mind body spirit field um, or in the tarot industry would uh, would certainly know his name. Um, he had a he was on television at one time. Um, used to do um, um, used to do readings on the talk radio stations. You know, so uh, so he was quite well known. You've and, narrowed uh, it down a bit. I, I think we probably shouldn't narrow it down any more than that because I think you've narrowed and, it down uh, quite yeah. a bit now. Yeah. And um, I um, and uh, yeah. So you know, so you know, so so you know, so obviously they knew his background, and um, and they knew my interest. Um, in the end, um, I never actually, um, I never actually, I never actually took the, I never took the first degree. Right, because um, because even after, even initially, I suppose, but certainly after the first few months, you know, I was having doubts because um, I, I didn't want to be involved with 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 anything that um, you know I thought was uh, was very much part of um, you know the control system of, of where. Right. Where even back, even back then, I believe the planet was going. You know what I mean? Yeah, but you know, so, hang, hang, stay stay with this just for a moment. I get that. Yeah. But at the same oh. time, I, my understanding of it is, and again, it's from speaking to um, yeah. David and others, is that um, the likes of me, and I, I don't know much about you, Wayne, but I could say the likes of you. I mean, we're two regular blokes, right? Um, yeah. That we would be. It's almost like a chamber of commerce you know, mm. at that level. But yes, definitely, the further up you go, um, you're meeting people that are stakeholders and people that are decision makers in terms of 
the way yeah. society is shaped. But the great majority of, of, of them, because I mean, knowing what I know now, I wouldn't. But back then, I if we'd taken the pub in Nottingham, I probably would have ended up in the lodge. Yeah, right. I probably would have taken the first yeah. degree. You know. Yeah. Yeah. But um, but you said no way because even though at that level, it's not uh, you know you're not you're not you're not basically working with people that are you know any in any way kind of negative towards humanity or they're not having a negative influence. It doesn't matter the organisation itself at the very top of it. So that was what put you off ultimately in the end. Yeah, I, I always had my doubts about it, but obviously I was very interested in uh, finding out what I could um, at the same time. Um, and this was round about the same time um, when I actually started in uh, Scientology, which I think I mentioned to you before. Yeah. So I was, I was around the Masons for about two years, but I, I was actually in Scientology for um, for seven years. Yeah. But, you were but, a seeker, but, Wayne, weren't you? I mean, we're all seekers, aren't we? Every one of us is trying to find out what's going on. But yeah. um, Caroline's mum, my, my Carol, I should say who she is, my partner, her mum dabbled years and years ago with uh, Scientology too. A little bit, mm. by a little bit now, I mean, I think she went to the local church, I suppose, if you, if you want to call it out, the local centre a few mm. times and then didn't think much of it. But you were definitely looking for answers, weren't you, at that particular time in your life? Trying to figure oh, out what absolutely. the hell was going on, yeah. I, 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 Absolutely. If I can just finish off the... Yeah, um, go ahead. Before I take another call, I'm getting hammered here. Go on. No, no, that's, uh, that's, uh, that, 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 that's fine. Um, no, um, I was... I was uh, as I said, I was very... I was very, um, I was very ret- um, reticent to actually take things any further with the Masons. And then... Uh, but, but then, round about the time, you know, when, I, when, I'd, when I'd kind of decided against it, um, it was taken out of my hands because the um, the guy that sponsored me was involved in various uh, was involved in various scandals. Um, he was actually um, he was actually caught um, with uh, with drugs in Barbados and actually went for a, and was actually in prison uh, for some time in Barbados. And he also served um, some time in a prison in. Um, in uh, in the UK as well, and round about the time that all, all this legal stuff started to happen, you know, he told me that um, he couldn't sponsor me anymore because he was taken offline. Um, so what happens? My understanding is, um, you know, you know, if somebody's taken offline because uh, which which is like a punishment, you know, for for bringing for bringing scandal. Or for bringing the Masons into disrepute, then anyone that that person sponsored is automatically, um, you know, you know, defunct. Zero as they're well. All... But even even though yeah. I understand that Masons must not reveal they are members, or have I gotten that completely wrong? I've gotten that wrong, haven't I? Masons are permitted to, to tell people, but but yeah, if, certainly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Certain, certainly they are these days. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. Certainly, I don't. I don't. Yeah. So you had a brush uh, with the Masons, and I suppose you never, wherever you happen to be, whatever you're doing, you never know, do you, who you're speaking with and whether they're a member of a lodge somewhere or another no. secret society. You just haven't a clue, do you? 
but whilst I was, um, yes, yeah, so, you know, so, so because he was taken offline, um, you know, I, I, I was no longer able to become a Mason anyway. And that was that. But whilst, um, but whilst I was around them, I actually went to a couple of um, Masonic um, ceremonies, including his Masonic uh, wedding ceremony, which was um, in, the Liverpool, in the Liverpool Street Hotel, I think it is, in London. There's, um, there's actually, it's like something out of a film. You go into one of the conference rooms in the Liverpool Street Hotel and there's these wooden uh, panelled, there's a wooden panel wall in, wall in there and you press something on the wall and these doors open up and there's a spiral staircase which goes down, um, which goes down under the Liverpool Street Hotel and there's a, and there's a whole Masonic um, uh, temple which is actually underneath the Liverpool Street Hotel at the bottom of the spiral Isn't staircase. Isn't that amazing? Something out of a James yeah. Bond film, yeah. It, 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 it was, it was. And I went to his wedding down there and, um, and I went to an initiation, um, a first degree initiation ceremony down there as well. And, um, and I was told that, you know, there's only a handful of non-Masons that, um, that have actually been, that have actually been down there. So, um, uh, how fascinating. The the whole area yeah. of secret clubs and secret societies. Um, they exist at universities, don't they? Particularly in the States, the Ivy oh. League ones, they have their secret societies, yeah. Skull and Bones and all of these. And uh, emerging out of these are often the chosen leaders of uh, the future. It's astonishing. Well, that's absolutely fascinating. I'm going to take another call. Um, because I'm getting bombarded with calls there. Excellent insight there into uh, into the Masons, yeah. And I think you've given the game away with regards to who the person you were speaking about is, but the chap is not around anymore. But um, yeah, interesting stuff. Interesting life you've had. Thanks, Wayne, for that. Excellent stuff. Great call. All right. Thank you, Richard. Cheers, Thanks Wayne. You're, you're very welcome. Bye for now. Fascinating, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I'd have joined, you know. I would have, I, I would have joined. Yeah, I, I would have thought, why not? Like, if you're going to be living and working in a city that you're not overly familiar with, and you really don't know anybody there, why not join this crazy little, you know, society? If it means that you might be able to get access to things, and yeah, but sure, it never happened. Caller, welcome to the program. Who am I speaking with? Hi, Richie. It's Brian here from Kildare in Ireland. How are you doing, Brian? Thank God we've got it. Do you know, last couple of co phone-in shows, nobody called from the old sod. Thank God we've we've got you on. Welcome, buddy. How are you? you? How are you doing? Listen, uh, it's great to talk to you. It's been a while. I was listening to your caller there. Was it Yvonne from Spain? Yes, Yvonne on Ether and yeah. Etherons, yeah. Yeah, and she, she just got the old brain <clears throat> taken away there. And I remember this buying this book years and years ago. I never read it, but um, I searched around the house anyway uh, over the last hour and I found it. It's called Occult Ether Physics, Tesla's Hidden Space Propulsion System and the Conspiracy to Conceal It by William Lyne. And um, I just thought she might be interested in it anyway. And uh, I'm going to have a read of it myself now. Like I can read you the back cover there if you want. Do, go on, um, read it, yeah. And I can, give, I can give you the ISDN if you want. Uh, it says, is there a secret physics with a different set of rules hidden away from us earlier in this century by a powerful elite who fear the technology based on it will strip away their power and wealth and liberate us from their grip? 
Uh, dynamite comes in small packages, and this little stick of scientific dynamite blows apart pseudo-scientific myths and instills the truth. Occult Ether Physics 1997 WMR line uh, Creatopia Productions TM. And I can give you the ISDN if you want to have it. Uh, it's It's been an interesting read. Um, no doubt. Just, you know, the, the Ethernet case. Sorry? No, no doubt. So, well, give you- so the book asks the question, is there a secret <laughs> physics that operates with a different set of rules, which is understood by and known to the controlling elites uh, who desperately tried to yes, conceal yes. this from people. It's right up our street. And if it's, well, it came out in 97, so maybe the chap who wrote it is alive and well, we might get him on. Hey, William M. Lyne, he seems to be, um, well, the book was printed in Canada. Um, the, will you give it the number there? It's 0-9637-4655. Dash six dash six. That's the ISBN number. So anyone can can look it up. Uh, William Orline, occult. So tell me this: How he did you? Sons as well. How did you end up with it? Yeah. If you if you didn't read it, so why why haven't you read it? I mean, you must have bought it, did you? I I was. You know, I just went through a phase years ago of buying books on Amazon, and you know, I get it. Like I have a book in there called uh, Plant Medicine. I th- think these are books are great to have for if the internet ever turns off. So I went through a phase of buying all these books that have information in them, thinking I'll get around to reading them one day, you know. And uh, like I have one there about Giza, Giza, and uh, they reckon Giza is a power plant. Giza, the Egyptian power plant. It's, I haven't read any of these books, I have to just get into them. There's, there's a lot of stuff going on, you know yourself. Of course. And, uh, well, yeah, but you're, de- you're, definitely, you're definitely going to read Lyon's book now, aren't you? Uh, the 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 one about Tesla. I am after after your woman. Um, it's on Spark and me me brain into it, and um, it was on Amazon. I'd be interested. I'm going to look it up now as soon as I finish this call because I'd be interested to see if this book still on Amazon. It probably is because it's not a very popular looking book. Yeah. But um, anyway, that's kind of kind of really what I was getting on about. And I mean, um, uh, Ireland is gone down the bloody pan, as I'm sure you can see from where you are as well. Yeah. You know. Um, there's no opposition here. Every opposition is controlled. Um, there is uh, Mulholland Law up in Belfast. We're coming down here trying to change the law in Ireland now. They're using using the lady to try and go after journalists, um, as you probably are aware of. Uh, but in, in, in the whole thing, they, they're trying to change the law surrounding the release of inquest documents to journalists questioning questionable deaths in this country. Um, I don't know if you've, if you've gone into that much. But that's that's really, uh, you know, disheartening in this country. It is, yeah, it is disheartening. Um, I don't know if it makes it any it's better at all. Yeah, but, but it's the same here. You don't know the case, no. It's 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 um yeah it's it's a case involving Gemma Doherty and an, an issue of the Irish Light that she did last November, where she had photographs of people on the front cover saying that they died suddenly. Headline was died suddenly. The first um, paragraph of the article goes into the fact that all these people died suddenly. We need to be asking questions. Uh, death has in, increased. Fair enough. It made no reference to um, to anything causing the deaths. But somebody uh, who was a parent of one of those people claimed that that article was harassing because they were using a, a photo of their uh, relative who had died, which was in the public domain. Um, and now that person... Uh, you know, is is saying that there was harassment. She she has actually harassed the journalist considerably herself. But there's also a law firm involved now, which is seems to be using this lady to to sue this journalist. 
and in it they're trying to say that the law doesn't go as far as we need it to stop these journalists doing this, i.e. questioning questionable debts. There was a debt happened, very questionable, a journalist asked questions about it, and now they're trying to change the law so that the inquest documents now can't be released, which, you know, makes it very easy for the state to go along and and uh, or, or other actors and cover up that. Yeah, make know, any claim they like. If, if they can't be questioned. Yeah. Yeah. So. I wasn't aware of that. The journalist no. involved in it. Yeah. Were you not? Well, the journalist involved is Gemma Doherty. And yeah. there's also a, a lady in the UK, I think she's based in France, who's been covering the story as well, called Sarah Plumley. Um, she's quite an interesting lady. She has a channel on Odyssey covering it. And. Um, I mean, Gemma O'Doherty has her own website, and you, you get all all information from her side on that. But yeah, the the, the nut and bolt of this case is that um, they're trying to change. It's, it's about hate speech, and it's about sneakily bringing in laws that are stifling people asking questions about certain things. You know, uh, in this case, debt. So it's and it's, it's about constitutional change. It's it's a sneaky way to change the constitution. So they seem to be using this person. The, the state seem to be using this person to, to bring about this. That's what it seems. You know, that's my opinion of it. You know, I, I'd have to say that. But um, it's worth looking into. And um, it and, is, yeah, uh, yeah. No, I'll I'll, I'll, I'll cover that. You know, cover it next week. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm due to be speaking with um, John Waters, who of course works uh, alongside um, Gemma. Can, can I can I ask you? Um, listeners are screaming at me to ask me to ask you to read the title of the book again, if you don't mind book yeah it's called occult ether physics colon tesla's hidden space propulsion system and the conspiracy to conceal it by william lyme and uh do they want the number again no, that will do that will do yeah and what i'll um, yeah. Yeah. what i'll do if i can get a link to it um, which I probably will i'll stick it on the the podcast notes because um it, it'll be of great interest yeah yvonne it was, a, it was a cracking call that really interesting look what you said about Gemma yeah. and what's going on yeah, sorry Brian what, what you said about Gemma and what's going on back home is it's wretched isn't it yeah. I, I don't know what people can Absolutely. do about that I really yeah. don't well the, the, the only thing they can do about that is come out and support Gemma when the case comes to court yeah. beyond the street you know because uh, when these when these people who um, are, are, are think they're running the show but they see nobody at these cases. They know they're winning, and they know that they can pro- progress these these agendas forward. But when they see people coming out on the streets, um, and not there to have a good time or a party or anything else, everyone is an army of one. You're not there to give your name and address to anybody or anything like this or email addresses. This isn't what it's about. It's about going up and just showing support and being in the courtroom. We all have a right to be there, you know. Even even though they try to stop us through COVID from being witnessing justice, justice in the courts, it's a disgrace what's gone on, and a lot of it seems to seems to have stuck. Like I'll tell you, an incident happened in my house where um, I'm in my house at 10 o'clock at night and I walk into my living room and I had a, a member of a Garda Shikana with his face up against my window with a body cam on him uh, inside my gate, let himself in my back gate into my house at 10 o'clock at night. And I went out and we challenged him, told him to get off my property four times. He, he refused to leave. Uh, I went out and recorded him then and, and, and uh, he hung himself by the bollocks coming out to my house and, and trespassing on my property, you know. Yeah. Um, over, over, over nothing. He, 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 I, was, I was playing music in my house at the windows open. It was in June when the hot weather was on, you know. And um, he, he claimed that he was investigating something in the area, which he wouldn't tell me what he was investigating. And he noticed noise. 
and all this kind of crack, you know. And he wouldn't he wouldn't tell me. And I asked him was for a complaint, and he, and he wouldn't he declined to tell me. So I could only assume no. But in any event, I mean, if if there is an issue regarding something like that, all 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 one of them gobshites, excuse my French, if that's all they are in this country, can do is knock on your door. That's all they can do. They're so stupid that they don't even know. They come in onto your property and make a complete mickey out of themselves, you know. But um, anyway, that's that's uh, that's that guy. He 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 came out to me and he quoted. Uh, an, an act that doesn't exist. He says, I'm out here that I'm enforcing the Noise Pollution Act, he says. The, the Noise Pollution Act? Jesus. Yeah, try and look it up there, Richie. Look it up on the statute website in Ireland. It doesn't I, exist. I, I knew it didn't exist. I, I asked him, I asked I have, I can, you know, maybe you should put the recording up. I'm tied with the idea of sticking the recording up on it. You yeah. haven't done it yet. Uh, he, he, he repeated to me four times, oh, go and look it up. And then, then he tried to, he tried to, to ask me would I, would I wear headphones. Would you not go in and wear headphones in my own private house that I've paid a lot of money for? Yeah, yeah. Myself, you know, you know. But anyway, is this I, harassment? I, 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 I might stop talking about that because I get wound up. No, no. Um, yeah, is this? Do you think harassment because you've got opinions? I do. Yeah. There's a, there's a bigger story there, but I, I'm, I'm not going to go into it. Right. You know. But I mean, he, he, he in in relation to the actual incident which they talk about that happened, um, he said to me a number of times, "This isn't the first time I've heard this now." I.e., he was telling me that he was having me under unlawful surveillance, you know. So, um, ah, yeah, there be, there be, you know, it's it's just um, part of that whole whole incident. I thought was these uh, guards going around there thinking now because of COVID. Do you remember COVID when people are having parties and there was yeah, people in people's yeah. houses and they shouldn't have been there? Which anyone could have had anyone in their house under the Constitution of Ireland. So they, a lot of people, you see, I think now, still think that they're in COVID lockdown in their psyche. So when, when they see someone coming on a property like that, they go, oh, I better go and see what they want, you know? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. I like get they, it. They I get it totally. Yeah. That, that people, people that, that these um, police forces of the world now have authority to go onto your property because, of, because they did it already. They were blooded in COVID. They, blood, they blooded them in COVID and now they're going around harassing people. But you see it everywhere. There was a, some Christian outfit in Dublin there yesterday. These these guys are going around. I forget the name of them. They're, they're going around Ireland. They have this big mass with a flag on it, and they're spreading the Christian message. And uh, they were assaulted by one man on the street. Um, and there was another woman coming up, giving out to them about all oh, her friends were trans, and they didn't want these people spreading the Christian message. Get off my street, you know. It's really like Ireland has really gone commie. You know, it's lockstep, though, Brian. It's lockstep. It's exactly the same here. It's, 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 it's lockstep, but, but yeah. Ireland is really getting. You think it's Ireland's worse really there? Yeah. Fucking wanted, like, you know. Yeah. Sorry. No, I'm. I'm just, just, just yeah. to confirm. You believe it? It's, it's a little bit worse. Yeah. Look, I said as much. I think on a recent program. It is. Yeah. It I, does I, appear. I believe Ireland is is a petri dish, and I believe it's controlled by by agents that are not Irish. All you have to do is, is if you ever fly into Dublin, Richie, just get a bus into town. And uh, have a good long walk down the Keys and look at all them big, big, massive multinational uh, banks that have been built there over the last number of years. You know that's what's wrong in Ireland. You know, um, and that's where the guard no, are there no to protect. No party coming to save us. I mean, the people you've had on in your program, you know, might as well throw them in the garbage can. Um, in, in relation to the Freedom Party and any of these these outfits over here, you know, totally bought and sold. You know. Uh, I won't name names. I could go back over. I, I did in, uh, years ago. I went out and said no for Lisbon. I stood up my own two feet and put out the message. And I saw a lot of the people, which I won't get into that now. A lot of the people now that are, are, are on the bandwagon of 
of being the opposition in Ireland were, were, were lurking around in back hallways back in 2009 collecting email addresses, you know. So I won't say a lot more about that. But yeah, the country, the country really, uh, Ireland now, it's, it's, it's not a nice place to be. You were saying recently you were, you were kind of having a little bit of heartstrings about wanting to come back here maybe for a trip or something, but I, I, I'd urge you to yeah, come back. But I, I, I think, uh, you know, it'd be an interesting trip. It mightn't be what you think, you know. Yeah. You mightn't get the same feeling when you land here and get off the plane and go down to water for the body peg. I no. don't think I'll ever set foot on the the, in the country again, to be honest, Brian. I, I, I really no, don't. No. I, I don't. I don't see any reason why I'd ever go back. And uh, yeah. it's heartbreaking because I don't say things like Irish Republican lightly. I'm an Irish Republican. And I'm proud of my country yeah. and the people who came before us. And um, Jean Anne has just so said to me, Jean Anne just yeah. said to me there, 800 years of fighting off um, invaders and um, standing up to them. And you know how we did it, Richie? We ignored the fuckers. Excuse me, French again. Yeah. We ignored. We, we just said, you know what, lads? We don't respect the king, and we're not standing under your rules, you know. And we just ignored them, and eventually they just got worn out with with trying to 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 make us toe the line. There was a saying in Ireland back then: "Burn everything British except their coal." Yeah, or, yeah, or yeah, whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. Give them yeah. nothing, you know. Now, some could argue maybe that that's a little bit like the the fuel sanctions in Russia, and maybe it wasn't the. the Maybe it was twisted back then as well. Who they had knows, but I mean that was a saying back then. Burn everything except the uh, British, except the, the coal. Get them out, and that's how we got them out. And that's the same. That's why I'm saying now, people with, with this court case with Jim O'Doherty and Holland Law and uh, trying to change the constitution for hate speech in this country and ban people from talking about certain issues. Get out on the street, be outside that courtroom, be in it until it's full, and, and whoever can't get in it can stay outside in the street. Like, we outnumber everybody in the world, Richie. It's worth remembering this every day when you wake up. We outnumber the, the, the security forces by 10,000 to one all around the world. Yeah. You know, and, like, the stories of the Black and Tans, when you go back and look into them, uh, I was listening to a, a podcast by Eddie Lenehan. You'll find it on Acast if you look it up on the internet. Or yeah, Brian, Apple, Brian we've, we've, got about, we, we've got about 60 seconds before I've got to close this down and turn it I'll, around. I'll finish so. up on that one. Then. Go, just, go ahead, Just yeah. on the Black and Tans, so... All the stories we know about the Black and Tans, they went in and up, upturned houses and burned people out. Apparently, that was only one in 10,000. That's really the, the nuts and bolts. With it. Fear, again, was the weapon back then. Fear is, is the weapon of mass destruction. Always was, always will be. But you look, Richie, I'll leave you too. It's great talking to you again, mate. It's great talking to you, Brian. Thanks, mate. Thanks for that insight. And um, keep us posted about Gemma. I'll get John Waters on uh, to talk to us about that next week. Good to have you, Brian. Brian and Kildare, look after yourself. Um, thanks to Brian. That's um, pretty much it for the programme today. Uh, thanks to everybody who phoned in. Every single call was insightful and fascinating. I really appreciate that. Um, but we, we'll, we'll continue, of course, to do phone-ins. So if you didn't get on today, and I see the calls on WhatsApp, I'll drop you a message and I'll get you on next time. That's um, an absolute promise. So I will. Um, how do I do this now? I'm trying to close out of something. <laughs> Absolutely bloody useless. Um... I'll be back with you on Sunday morning, won't I, at uh, 8 o'clock, uh, sorry, at 10 o'clock, what's wrong with me, at 10 o'clock UK time, Sunday morning, for um, Sunday Morning Melodies. So, yeah, love that show, look forward to it. So join me on Sunday. Again, thanks to the callers. Thank you for listening in all week. I really appreciate it, and thanks for your support as well of the programme, even 
in times that are very difficult financially. I really appreciate you. So have a great weekend, wherever you are, and um, whoever you're doing it with. I'm going to close out with a song that I did play on a recent Melodies. It's a song called You Can Feel It, and it's from Young Gun, Silver Fox. It's a, it's a group, a combination I've only just recently discovered, and I really like them, so there you are.